You're listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. Hey everybody, welcome back to an episode of ACB Advocacy Update. Did I say that right? I think you did. Nice. I can never quite get it out. Um, So this is Claire, Claire Stanley, the Advocacy and Outreach Specialist here at ACB. And... Hi, I'm Eric Bridges, the Executive Director. Um, We're really excited to be here. You haven't been on in a while, huh, Eric? No, I think it's been a month or two. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here It's good to be back. Um, We're really excited to talk this week um, because we are giving you guys a look into the leadership conference slash legislative seminar that will be going on one day in the leadership conference. So we're going to give you a little insight into what we'll be talking about, what will be going on, and the things we'll be bringing to Congress. Um, So before we jump into the legislative seminar, which is what I get to help on, is my dog sitting on your feet? Yes. I thought that was what's happening. (laughs) My my guide dog wants to be part of the the podcast. I kind of miss it. I retired my guide dog <laughs> over uh, Thanksgiving weekend, twenty eighteen. Oh, general. Yeah. Um. So yeah, before we jump into the ledge sem, I'm that's the new slang, the ledge sem. Before we talk about the legislative seminar, do you want to give a, a bird's eye view, Eric, of the entire leadership conference? Well, yeah. So the 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 leadership conference really sort of encompasses three. Uh, separate but distinct meetings. So February 23rd at the Old Town Crown Plaza in Alexandria will be the first face-to-face meeting of the year for the ACB Board of Directors. Now, Eric, is it plaza or plaza? I say uh, plaza. Okay. Is that somewhere in between? I would say plaza. It sounds more... Plaza, so you could go to Saks Fifth Avenue. Exactly, with my plaza. non-existent money in the plaza. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, this this goes back to a conversation we were having off air, but yeah, we I digress. Was ju- I was judging everybody by what they were saying. <laughs> we digress. It's fun to do, just not being judged. That's, That's right. no fun. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so it's at the Crown Plaza. That's correct, <laughs> as I get my train of thought back. Uh, and then the next day, the uh, the 24th, is our affiliate and president's meeting, uh, which really is was what it says it is. Mm-hmm. Um, our special interest in state affiliate leaders come for a day of uh, networking as well as uh, programming to to talk through, uh, you know, successes, but also ongoing uh, issues or challenges that uh, affiliates are having in, in any number of different areas. It's a way for folks to share information, network, and also learn from one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that Monday, the 25th, is our legislative seminar. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is something that Claire... Uh, has firsthand knowledge of this year, uh, as you're the one that's responsible for uh, forming the agenda and uh, getting the guests to come speak. Yeah. And you and I have been working pretty closely on the uh, legislative imperatives that we're going to talk about during the seminar. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. So 
Um, like Eric called them, we have imperatives, legislative imperatives, and it's basically just a fancy word or term to talk about some major issues that we're seeing in the blind and visually impaired community, just issues that are really prevalent and that as a result we think we need to talk to our Congress members um, about so they can you know, start to think of solutions. Some of our imperatives already have uh, legislation um, connected to them, so encouraging our Congress members to push through that legislation, just issues that we think that need to be on their mind to start solving the problems in the blind or visually impaired community. Um, so we have three imperatives that we are talking about this year. One imperative that's been talked about in previous years, because sometimes problems last, go figure, right? Um, but it's something we want to continue to um, push toward our Congress members to say this issue hasn't gone away. And then we have a couple of new issues that really aren't new issues to the blind community, but newer to our imperatives that we're starting to promote. Um, so we have three this year, like we talked about, so we can go through each. I feel like we should be on one of those uh, ca uh, cartoons where they say number one and the first one drops. Um, but our first, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, but our first um, issue that we can talk about um, is uh, diabetes, which when I feel like I say that, that is a big, big weighty topic. Um, but it is. Um, we're talking about this year and it encompasses a lot of things. But as a background, um, I think we've even talked about it on our, our show before. Maybe during Halloween we had talked about it. Um, diabetes is a big issue. And because of diabetic um, retinopathy, people lose their vision. Um, so a huge portion of the blind or visually impaired community have diabetes. But for some reason... Um, scratching my head, um, there aren't a lot of products to handle diabetes that are accessible. So I apologize to any people out there who have diabetes who are say I'm saying it wrong, but things like glucometers, um, different pumps that help to provide the insulin, things like that, generally speaking, aren't accessible. Some are accessible to different uh, extents. Um, there's all kinds of different models out there, but most of these products are not accessible, which really makes us wonder what's going on when a huge fraction of the diabetic community um, are blind or visually impaired, but yet these products aren't accessible. There's a huge disconnect there. Yeah, and in the, in the coming years, the population in our community mm -hmm. that's going to lose their vision is going to be directly due to diabetes and diabetic retinopathy. So this is a population that isn't going to go away and actually is going to grow. Exactly. So we really wanted to address this question this year to start talking about what can be done? We want to make sure that people in this community have access to the medicines, the tools, the devices, all the different um, items they need. So this year, we're really starting to um, talk. We want to talk to our Congress members and say, where can we start? You know, we know we're starting from the beginning, um, but we need to address this issue. It can't just be something that's pushed to the side over and over again, because like Eric said, it's not going away. Because when, it, when it's pushed to the side, what happens is that uh, folks that are not able to independently or reliably monitor their diabetes uh, oftentimes wind up with other health issues. Yep. Diabetes is sort of a kind of a gateway to uh, a really unfortunate set of other uh, illnesses or ailments that can be, uh, you know, truly devastating to an individual. Yeah. Heart disease, amputation, blindness are just some examples. 
And it's one of those great examples for bringing it to Congress and bringing it to the awareness of our government because we want to say it's important to address it up front and find solutions now because, like Eric was saying, it leads to so many other things. So you can always make the financial argument that you need to address it now because if you don't address it now, it's going to have much more negative implications as you go along. And that means more money and more services. So something that we really need to start addressing um, at the front end versus letting it go further. And unfortunately, for whatever reason, the the biotech industry that you know manufactures these devices has not really been uh, receptive to our outreach over the last decade or so. And so yeah. this is our way of getting this issue on the table and talking about it uh, in as proactive a manner as possible. Yeah. Which to me is still mind-boggling that, again, since it's such a huge fraction of their customer base, that it wouldn't have been addressed. I mean, I'm not a business expert, but to me, numbers mean money, so. Agreed. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's one topic we'll be talking about. Um, we're going to have a great panel of our own members at the legislative seminar. Um, persons who have diabetes themselves use these products, both ones that are accessible and ones that really aren't accessible. They can really give us their firsthand experience. We'll also have an attorney who's starting to work with us on this issue. Issue. This issue. Ew, yes. <laughs> this issue. I That's, use my new pronunciation. British. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, my last name it's British, you know. Um, but I digress. Um, so we'll have an attorney <laughs> who will be talking to us. <laughs> Did you just snort? Maybe. <laughs> Calling me out on a podcast? <laughs> I am. Oh, man. Uh, so we'll have a great attorney um, who will be talking with us to bring some some expertise from the legal perspective um, and then possibly even talking about some, you know, draft language on what legislation could look like to address this issue. So really um, exploring it from all different angles. So we're looking forward to it. Absolutely. Talk to me about... Um, autonomously flying vehicles. Yes. Okay, that just brought it to a whole new level. Yeah. So we're really excited to talk about... Claire's magic carpet. Yes. I want a carpet, not a vehicle, just a carpet. Yes. Yes. I don't think my guide dog would like that very much. No. Probably not. No. Although the wind would whip through his ears, much like, you know, when you're he's in the backseat of a car and oh, the window's down. Yeah. He might actually like out. that. Yeah. I don't think my dog ever tried to put his head out the window. Oh, I think he was smarter than that. It's a dog's life, though. <laughs> that's true. Once they retire. That's, that's true. So I've been told. And mine is retiring in just a few months as well. <laughs> there so. you go. Um, so, yeah, so we're talking about autonomous vehicles, or AV for short. Um, not flying yet, as Eric put out there, but you <laughs> never know. It's 2019. They could be flying very soon. Um, so autonomous vehicles, there are a lot of companies out there that are starting to develop um, and produce some really cool um, autonomous vehicles. If you guys have never heard of that, it means what it sounds like. Literally, they drive themselves. Self-driving. Self-driving. Mm-hmm. No no human required, um, which is huge. That's big in the blind community because that means we can, I can't even use the word drive them because we don't have to drive them. We can just get in, sit down, and go where we need to go. Um, so companies like General Motors are doing some really cool projects to produce autonomous vehicles. Um, so there's a lot out there. It's not super, super new. It's been going on. Um, but we want to bring it up because with this new frontier of uh, cars, 
comes the question of how they'll be governed, how they'll be licensed, what that'll look like. And so there's been a lot of chatter out there about creating laws that'll say what's required, what's not required. Um, and so that's why we want to talk about it and have people bring it to Congress to talk about making sure that there are laws that'll allow for it, making sure that laws aren't restrictive. For instance, one issue I've heard is people want to hold on to this idea of having to have a license, um, even for AVs. Well, those of us who are blind can't get licenses because you have to pass a vision test, which I don't know about you, but I can't pass. No, zero percent <laughs> chance. Zero percent chance. Yeah. Um, I could just guess. Um, so, but uh, states, I should say, states still want to hold on to their license policy. And so that's going to negatively impact the blind community, even though if the way AVs are being created are the way we've heard, you don't need to have a license. Literally, they're, they're, they're building these vehicles without steering wheels. Yeah. So there is not going to be a way uh, to be able to take over a vehicle to drive it. Yeah, yeah, these policies are still out there. So that's what we want to advocate for and make sure that um, laws are being created to um, positively impact the blind community in this space and also make sure that laws don't pass that would negatively impact the blind community. The other really big component that that we're wanting – Congress to weigh in on is that the ability to for blind people to be able to interface ex- yeah, accessibly exactly. with the the user interface, be it an app on your phone, because some of these companies are going with a ride share business model where you similar to like Uber, like Lyft. an Uber, yeah. mm-hmm, would order up one of these vehicles and it would come park in front of your house, wait for you to come. You'd get in, and then you would either interface through the app or uh, theoretically even interface with... Some kind of screen in the car exactly. or whatever it might look like. And yeah. so we, we want for first generation of these vehicles for that experience to be accessible so that we can, uh, for the first time, really go out... Uh, on a date or to a Dairy Queen or wherever. Wherever we uh, want to go, yeah. Without having to rely upon somebody else. I so. like that you use the language first generation because that's usually the thing I see is that these awesome new products will come out, but they won't be accessible for the blind the first time around till we make some noise and say, hey, please make them accessible. And then companies have done a great job of doing that eventually, but why do we have to wait, wait for the second yeah. or third iteration? And the, and the so. eventuality what winds up happening with the companies is they wind up spending a heck of a lot more money uh, to to, to retrofit or to incorporate accessibility than if they had just included it in the first generation. Exactly. And it would be there uh, through generation after generation. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, AVs is going to be a big topic we're talking about this year. I'm really excited. Um, I want one right now so yeah come and um you guys will come those who can attend will come and talk all about it we have um some great speakers both from the advocacy perspective for people with disabilities but also directly from the corporate side from someone from gm so having kind of both perspectives there will be some great presentations to listen in on absolutely yeah Um, And topic number three, imperative number three, Um, this is an issue, this is my first legislative seminar, but I've been told and read through some great pre-existing 
um, documents that our last imperative is something that's been going on for a while. I'm talking about making sure that low vision devices are covered for people under Medicare. Um, unfortunately, it's not a new topic because it's still chugging along through. Um, but like we said, we don't want to ignore these issues that keep coming up again because until these issues are resolved, we still have people in our community who are negatively impacted by these issues. Um, so Eric, what's a low vision device? Well, these are devices that allow for people who are visually impaired. Legally. I thought you were just going to say they're devices for people with low, divi- low vision because I like that you were just going to turn it nice. on. Nice, yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, go back to sixth grade. Yeah, just, just read. Do the smart aleck Yeah, response. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, these are devices um, that are that are able to magnify. Mm-hmm. Um, so video magnifiers, when I was growing up, they were called closed-circuit TVs. I think CCTVs. they still call them CCTVs, okay. didn't they? Um, They're just fancier. Than yeah, they, they are. Yeah. They're a lot fancier. And so uh, these are devices, and in this in this uh, proposal, there are devices that are powerful, that mm-hmm. have a power source. So they are able to increase magnification or modify magnification as the individual's uh, vision changes. Yeah. Uh, sort of therefore enabling them to, to, you know, remain independent and in their house. We're not, what we're not talking about here are the, the handheld magnifiers you can get at Walmart yeah, or Walgreens. Definitely so not. We're, we're talking about the powerful devices. Um, and one of the challenges that we've had down through the years uh, is that Medicare will not cover literally anything that has a lens, lens in it. Yeah. And so that dates back to the, to the 60s when they promulgated a rule um, that essentially said, you know, no eyeglasses mm-hmm. will be covered. And then in uh, 2008, after many blind folks had, you know, challenged this through an administrative law judge proceedings and all of that and had won, um, in 2008, essentially, at the end of the Bush administration, the wasn't really even the political folks, it was the the career government folks mm-hmm. said, uh, we're unable to determine if this is durable medical equipment or a prosthetic orthotic, which are two fancy categories yeah. that, that most everything is covered under. Uh, if it's going to be covered under Medicare, those are two large areas. Yeah. Um, so we're not able to do it. So blind folks, go figure it out legislatively. How to, how to fix this. And these yeah. devices are expensive, you know, so people yes. can't buy them, you know, just out of pocket. And so right. you're, you're stuck in this situation where you could have something that could be so beneficial to you. But, you know, most of us don't have that money just to say, okay, I'll buy it myself. So. Yeah. And so um, for a few years, we convened a, a working group of, gosh, probably up to 20 uh you know, blindness organizations, agencies for the blind, and and others to kind of grapple with, okay, so how do we deal with this problem in a way that would, uh, you know, make a substantive difference in the community? 
and along the way, how could we actually learn about our community? Because there's a lot in terms of numbers that we don't necessarily know, like how many blind people are Medicare beneficiaries. Exactly, yeah. So what we wound up doing was putting together a proposal, which has been introduced a couple different times in the House of Representatives, Mm -hmm. which is great. And we would expect it to be reintroduced in this Congress, uh, hopefully early this year after our folks are on the Hill on the 26th of February. Um, Essentially, to have folks that are visually impaired go in uh, for clinical evaluations, uh, you know, ophthalmologist, yeah. uh, and through this sort of, it is what we're proposing, a, a national demonstration, five-year national demonstration, uh, receive a, a prescription to actually get a, uh, a low vision device. Yeah. And so thereby being able to remain in their house or home, wherever that is, uh, age in place, remain independent, uh, and then uh, be able to collect that data in uh, over over that period of years to gain a better understanding of, uh, you know, number one, how much money did it cost the government, but then how much money did it save, save the exactly. government? That's so many. Which of is these, really yeah. the the big thrust of this is how. How much money can the government save uh, by, you know, covering these items, uh, these these devices, and allowing folks to stay in their house instead of assisted living environments or, you know, having to go elsewhere? Yeah. It's just like we were talking about in some of the previous imperatives. It's always, you know, it looks expensive on the front end, and it, it you know, rightfully so is. Mm-hmm. But in when you take the return, you save so much, and that, you know, benefits everybody. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah, so those, I, we hit all three, right? Yeah. We did. Those are our imperatives. We're really excited. We'll also have some speakers talking at the legislative seminar briefly about some of the other issues. We're really fortunate to have people coming from Department of Transportation um, who will talk about things like the Air Carriers Access Act. We have someone coming from um, the Federal Communications Commission um, to talk about what's going on in that space. So um, the three imperatives are a big topics, but we want to recognize that there's always other issues going going on um, in the blind and visually impaired community. So we'll be touching on some of those other issues as well. And for those of you out here who are going to the Hill that week, you know, make sure you um, go in with other issues too. You know, you're not limited to just these issues because there's always other things going on. Well, and the biggest part of these three issues or other issues is being able to talk about it in a way that um, is personal. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you may have... Diabetes. Yeah. Your vision loss may have been caused by, ret, you know, retinopathy. It, it may have happened. Or you may know somebody. You may be yeah. married to somebody. You, uh, you know, may be actively taking advantage of rideshare programs today, but really, and seeing the value in it, but wanting to see that progress to where you're no longer having to deal with a human. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the vehicle. So there, there are any number of ways to talk about these issues and personalize them to, to help connect and hopefully influence the person you're meeting with. Which is so important. Yeah. yeah. So um, I think I saw the email go out today or yesterday that people have 10 more days to register. 
Um, and today is the yep, sixth? The 15th is the deadline. Is the de- Thank you. That yes. makes it so much easier. Yes, the 15th is the deadline. So I just if you want people to do some math. If you haven't registered, where have you been? Yeah. Um, register. <laughs> get on, register. Uh, we know that there are a lot more uh, hotel reservations right now than there are registrants, and that always happens. Folks wait till the very end. Yeah. Um, but best to do it now. And uh, Also, a couple fun plugs. First, if you guys are 40 years of age or younger, we have a next generation group um, that started up with ACB. And those of us who fit into that age group, um, we are going to be hanging out. We'll have a committee meeting. We'll be doing dinner, happy hour, that kind of thing. We want to see more people our age. And I'm saying our because I fit in that age range. We want to see more young people getting involved. We need to have a voice, guys. So if you are attending and you fit into that age range, come find me. We want to hang out and do some fun stuff. I barely fit. You you still fit. You're right there. When's your birthday? August. Oh, see? So you've got like what? Seven more months? Yeah. So Six is there like months? a ceremonial throwing out there at might that point? Be. We'll, like, we'll, we'll figure it out. Excommunication. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no. Um, but it, it'll, be, it'll be fun. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the... There's, there's a lot going on inside ACB, and there's, frankly, there are enough issues um, that spanned uh, age demographics and other, you know, kind of the whole spectrum of, of blindness, vision loss, yeah. all of that. That's so, what's so great. There's something for everybody because yes. we all fit into different different groups for different reasons. That's right. Um, Also, if you're listening, and thank you everybody for listening, and you're not a member of ACB, we want you to be a member of ACB. We want you guys to get involved. Um, We are a community, and we want you to be part of our community. So if you want to become a member, and of course you want to be a member, because who wouldn't, Eric? That's what I'm Um, saying. That's right. Um, You can check out our website. Go to acb.org, and there is a button right there on the front page where you can become a member. Um, so please check out our website. Check that out. If you have any questions, you can call the number on the, the ACB page, and we can help you out. But it's so simple to do, and we'd love to get more people involved. So and then you get to hang out with cool people like us. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say that, and that might scare people away. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Hang out with Claire. I don't know how cool I really am. <laughs> you know, we try. <laughs> So great. Yeah. Um, Thank you, everybody, for listening. We really hope to see all you guys at the um, leadership conference slash legislative seminar. Come talk to your representatives, you guys. It's huge. Like we always say, keep advocating and you can advocate right here in uh, Washington, D.C. by talking to your representatives. That's right. Cool. If it is to be, it is up to me. Ooh, I like it. A whole bunch of two letter words. I like it. Say a lot. Great. So um, thanks, everybody, for listening, and we hope to see you on the Hill. Have a good day. Take care. You've been listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. For questions and comments, email advocacy at acb.org. Learn more about the American Council of the Blind by visiting us online at www.acb.org.